Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of It's a Groom's Life. Today with me, I'm so excited to have this guest on. I feel like we're going to have a great conversation today. So today with me, I have Toad and Soton who, if you don't know, um, I found via TikTok. Um, I feel like we've got lots to talk about. So, hi, how are you doing? Um, hi, how are you doing, Carly? You know, it's very exciting to be on here. Um, you know, my partner and I are quite, we're quite avid listeners, so it was, it was really good to, you know, get invited to this platform. So, um, yeah, hello. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, okay, so for people who don't know you, would you mind okay. introducing yourself and just tell us a little bit about um, what you're kind of doing now and what you do in the um, equestrian industry? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, if anyone knows me, well, you're, you're, you've done a lot of digging because, you know, I'm not, really, <laughs> uh, I'm not really a household name, hopefully, hopefully soon, but not quite yet. So, um, yeah, my name is Toden. Um, I'm actually quite new to the horse industry. I know it's a bit taboo not to have years and years of, you know, experience and be with horses, but um, I've always loved animals my whole life. Um, I grew up in Hertfordshire, which is quote unquote countryside, but now being in Watcher, I really know what the true countryside is, but um, <laughs> I've always been, <laughs> I've always been around animals and stuff and, you know, friends with dogs and pets and yada, yada, yada. But anyway, a couple of years ago, I, um, I met my current partner um, and she had horses. Um, she's, you know, been horses since she was like four years old. I think she's been riding since. So, you know, good, good amount of time. She's 22 now. So good amount of time. Um, and over just over our relationship, you know, it started with just the classic, um, you know, question boyfriend, come up and pick poles, you know, do flat work recording, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> um, and with most boyfriends, that scares you away. But, you know, I just had I just had this weird obsession, weird love for horses. I'd come out, you know, early mornings, I'd be happy to muck out, I'd be happy to poo pick, I'd be happy to, you know, anything. Um, and just through that, you know, my love and love got, you know, deeper and deeper. And then we just got this weird, unique opportunity to start doing our own thing. So um, Hannah, my partner, she's just got this incredible knowledge for breeding um, her whole life. When, when I say she's been into horses, yes, she's been riding, but mostly what she does is, she spends a lot of her time in catalogues, looking at breeding, watching licensings, you know, young horse events and stuff like that. And so obviously, obviously being her boyfriend, I was watching a lot of this stuff too. Yeah. So yeah. for over time, we, my knowledge on dressage breeding got quite good. Her knowledge yeah. is already amazing. Um, and we, there was this auction, you know, the Mount St. John auction. Um, it was back in October or November of last year. Mm. And we just kind of went to each other. Shall we start breeding? And there was a, there was a, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a mare already pregnant on this auction. And actually, sorry, I got ahead of myself. We already had, <laughs> we already had a foal from the year before, which yeah. was just one of Hannah's horses, who's quite well bred. Um, and this is when she started her breeding journey. So this is before we met. So mm-hmm. when she was about 16, 17. and then. After we met, we had this other opportunity to, you know, get another mare. So taking our mares up to two, uh, we'd already had a foal on the ground. This one was pregnant. And, you know, that that, that mare just gave birth about a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, so slowly but surely, we're just kind of starting a breeding operation. Um, so we've recently, you know, moved into our own yard, sole use. Um, and we're kind of just, you know, seeing where it goes, really. Um, you know, with 
with obviously support from people that know what they're doing yeah more so than us you know we 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 know a lot, but we don't know everything. You know, it's good to have people with life experience because there's one thing, you know, knowing what's what's said in the books and on the websites, but there's another thing knowing beyond that. Um, yeah. So with, you know, with a lot of support and help from mentors and all sorts of people that are just like seeing our journey and just like <laughs> helping us really, it's really, really amazing, you know. Um, yeah. And actually one mentor that I really, really want to shout out, um, her name's Sandra Murphy. Um, and she's the head of birth, which is a Facebook group um, on Facebook, obviously. <laughs> um, and it um, stands for the BAME, Equestrian and Rural Activities uh, uh. Focus Group. It's a bit of a mouthful, but basically it's a focus group for um, POCs, uh, BIPOCs um, in equestrian and rural events. Um, so, you know, walking, hiking, you know, dressage, show jumping, anything that is white dominated in the uk um we we're just a group of people that are of people of color that will do this and we are just we post our um achievements things we need you know all sorts just and we just do what we can to help each other and she's a massive massive you know help for us she's put our names into spaces that they really shouldn't be in yet um and really really helped us out so uh i wanted to give that big bit of shout out but yeah, that's me that's what Great. we do um and hopefully that for a long well, time I, I love how much you're picking up like the uh, equestrian terminology and jargon it's like it, it's like you've been around horses forever <laughs> yeah yeah I, I'm, always tell, I'm always telling people like it's really hard it's like I sometimes literally have to sit down and study words because like I'll be I don't know I'll be in a meeting or I'll be talking to someone and they say a word I've never heard before and contextually I get what it means but I have to go back later and be like Ooh, what does this mean I'm going for <laughs> It's like we need I'm our like, own dictionary, don't we? Yeah, yeah, you need an urban dictionary, a question dictionary. I'm sure there's one out there. If not, someone can make a lot of money doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. And I wanted to um, ask you, because I've seen, like, obviously, um, by your TikTok, that you've obviously started riding a little bit as well. Yes. So how, yes. have you, how have you found that sort of journey? And obviously, was you nervous when you started or was you really excited? And, and how's that coming along? Okay, so, yeah, with the riding, the riding was a lot a longer journey than coming to like with the breeding knowledge and the loving of horses just because at the end of the day if you've not really seen or interacted with a horse more that more than you know cycling past one you don't really appreciate the size and the power of a horse yeah um so when i first you know met hannah's horses i was like whoa these are huge you know yeah. it's the, the hindquarters are the, the size of my body <laughs> I don't really see myself ever getting on this um yeah. but I'm I'm an adrenaline junkie I've always been I've always liked doing things that scare me I'm you know definitely scared of heights but I love going to roller coasters things like that I love the adrenaline I play American football it's quite a dangerous sport I just love the adrenaline so after about a, a, a month of you know, going to the yard every day and doing yard jobs. I think it was a really sunny day because we, we met just at the beginning of summer. So it was a really sunny day. And she's like, you want to go for a hack? I was like, I don't know what that means, but let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, got on the horse. Obviously it was on the lead um, on the lead rope. You know, she, we, we started in the arena. You know, we, we were safe. We started in the arena, yeah, yeah. got our hats on and all sorts. And she basically said, pull left to go left, pull right to go right, squeeze to go faster um 
And that first hack, it was really, really nice. Um, we just went around the villages. It was only short. I think it's half an hour, if if that. Um, and then, you know, I, I kind of caught the bug. And then the next week, no, it was the day. Next day, we're on again. The next day after that, we're on again, 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 again. And then, then I was off the lead rope. And then we're on an open field. Um, and I was riding Hannah's horse, who is, she's KWPN, like warm blood, very posh horse. Um, yeah. But she was only, she'd only been in the country for not that long, maybe six months to a year. Um, she was come straight from um, Holland. And she was still a bit spooky. She'd never really been on hacks and stuff before. She was purely like, um, she was actually a broodmare, but she, she, you know, she did all the licensing and she, she did up to um, advanced medium. Um, yeah. So she was still proper dressage horse. And I think we, we were just going through a field and there was some roadworks. I think there was a big clatter. And then this was like my first, uh-oh, oh, no. oh yeah and she just went and I was like I'd never gone beyond a walk before and then before she was trotting and I'm just bouncing everywhere and then she gets into a canter and then obviously canter's a lot smoother so I was like okay cool I can ride this out I can ride this out and yeah. then she goes back into a trot and then I'm bouncing everywhere and then after that I I literally just jumped off the horse curled up into a little ball I said no this is not for me <laughs> so it took me a long long time to get back on a horse after that probably a good six months maybe yeah. even longer to get back on a horse. And then recently about, about again, about six months ago, um, a friend of ours, she owns a, a sales yard and there was a horse there where the owner could no longer, I'm like, sadly, very sadly, could no longer afford the horse to be um, housed there. And also he had arthritic changes in his hocks. Um, so it was going to be a very tough sell anyway. Yeah. So the, the outcome was he was going to go to the hunt. And we were like, no, no, you know, this was very well coincided with us just getting our own yard. We had, we had the space to accommodate a new horse. It wasn't really much of a financial burden with already having, I think we had six horse, we have six horses. So it wasn't much of a financial burden adding a seventh. Yeah. Um, so we took him on. So we got him for a pound. So Harry's my <laughs> one pound horse. Um, yeah. So he he's evented to be a hundred. So Hopefully, when I get better, I can take him to at you know at most where he deserves to be, which is at B hundred. Um, but you know, I'm, it's still a very slow journey. I've only started jumping about a month and a half ago. I yeah. did my first jumps, um, but he's amazing. He just like he sees the jumps, his ears just go, pew, <laughs> and he's off. Um, so it was it was it was a, a steep learning curve, but you know, I'm 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 doing it, and we're lucky. We just live in the most beautiful part of the world we're in Wiltshire around um the Churton Downs um and there's this lovely open because it's quite a military area so they have yeah. loads of open open fields where they do loads of like artillery testing where well, they used to now it's just conservational areas so literally we have literally hundreds of miles of just no roads and just bridleways so that's really really helped you know brought me along you know I've, I've learned a lot of the intricacies of riding you know it's yeah. all well and good you know watching youtube videos and going to um riding school there are little things that you need to learn out you know out in the open you know yeah. how to re react when a horse starts napping how to react when a horse starts bucking when a horse gets spooked when a horse takes off you know those little mm -hmm. things you'll never experience in a riding school those no. those horses are bulletproof um yeah so yeah, yeah definitely so. <laughs>
And um, I wanted to ask you as well, like, how are your friends finding your sort of new, uh, your new, uh, what's the word I was going to say, like your new lifestyle? Like, obviously, it's completely probably oh different to what your friends do. <laughs> yeah, that is an amazing question because <laughs> my friends, when it first started, they used to take the absolute mick out of me all the time. Like all my friends, most of my friends are from my American football team, you know, which American football and you, well, I guess in the UK is a very similar rugby culture. I wouldn't say it's quite rugby culture, but it's very yeah. similar to. So you can tell that I got a lot of stick to begin with. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of stick to begin with, um, but they realised incredibly quickly that this is a big love of mine a huge love of mine and at first they used to get quite annoyed because I go to the union Swansea so all my training and stuff was in Swansea but I'd be in Watcher half three quarters nine tenths of my time so I was, I was missing a lot of training I was slowly you know not going out with them as much and stuff like that and at first it was quite difficult because at first it did feel like I was losing my friends and my friends were losing me yeah. but then we all quickly realized that at the end of the day, we're becoming adults. This is what happens in adulthood. We all go to different places and we we do different things. And when they realised how much of a love of horses were of mine, they they very quickly accepted me. Not accepted me for it. It wasn't like it was any any friction. It was just like they quick quickly accepted that this is what I'm doing now. And now they're so they come and sit there because we have our own yard. But they're always out here weekly. I have a different friend out here. Um, my partner's mum owns a restaurant, so weekly we're just horses, food, go for a hack. You know, do the country lifestyle thing. I've, you know, I, 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 I show him the tractor. You know, I show him all these different things. You know, show him rifles. I show him all sorts. You know, the normal things that kids from the city, kids from inner city areas, kids from anywhere but countryside has never experienced before and it's just so amazing they love it I love it you know and it's really actually brought us a lot closer and you know a lot of my friends are like oh Toden can can I get a horse and keep it with you you know I'm like (laughs) (laughs) you don't realize how bloody expensive this is (laughs) it's not just it's not just you you, use it's not like a car that you can keep in a garage you know it's like this is hard work yeah but yeah. yeah it's it's nice but like as I'm happy for them to have that excitement about it because one thing I really really want and one thing I'm I'm really striving for is I have a lot of friends that um are from backgrounds that will never ever in their lives experienced horses you know people that are from central you know central london or south yeah. london, you know or like manchester you know big urban areas you will never you'll never meet a horse you'll never w- wake up one day and say dad can can i get a, ho- a, ri- a riding lesson because your dad yeah. won't know the first riding school within 100 miles so no. um i really want to get my friends excited about this because when they te- when they have children and especially when they have um, children of colour, they know that there is someone that they know that is within the horse industry that at the very least they can send their children to me where I can tell their children, oh, you live in this area, go to this riding school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just at the very least have a role model for their children, you know, have have someone that is of colour that is doing stuff in the horse industry and is not letting it get in my way. And having, I, I know... In most parts of society, men have it better, and I'm I'm very very aware of that. But in yeah. the question world, 
I've, you know, I've seen like firsthand, I've seen like little kids in my family that are really crazy about horses, really, really, really crazy about horses. And then they start going to riding lessons and realize it's all girls and never go back. Um, So, you know, just little things like that, just to make people, you know, little kids aware that there's, there's nothing about your, your sex, nothing about your, your race. There's nothing about it. Horses do not see color. Horses do not give a flying toss who's on their back as long as that person loves them for who they are and they will love you back you know um all the horses love me more than hannah definitely Um, (laughs) (laughs) i know that that's just how it is they it's who is it's just love love is love and love has sees nothing you know in all aspects in fact love sees no color no gender no race no anything so exactly it just it just include well we want to obviously include everyone. And my sort of next question, mm. do forgive me if I'm coming across maybe naive or anything like that. So no, no, me. say um, as it is. I, I prefer questions. <laughs> that I just, so obviously, obviously the equestrian industry is mm. predominantly white. Like you say, there is, it's mainly women sort of maybe at grassroots, mm. but there is like men yeah. up in the internationals, yeah. but there is hardly yeah. any people of colour. Um, yeah. in the equestrian industry and I'm not saying there isn't any but there's a very very small percentage of that um, and I wanted to ask you from your experience why do you think that is is it because predominantly people of colour are in urban cities and they just don't have mm. an opportunity or do mm. they just feel like they are just not going to be included in the industry or what What do you why do you think that might be it's multifaceted um there are many different mechanisms, I think, and that's the issue because it's not just straightforward to say, ah, change this and that, you know, within the next generation, and, you know, 50% are going to be people of colour. You know, you, you hit on a couple, a couple of them. At the end of the day, just through how society is currently and systemic racism and yada, 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 everything I don't want to go into, <laughs> um, <laughs> people of colour tend to be low income and live in low income areas and be it in a city you know, in a city, you know, flats and stuff like that, where there is no greenery. Um, and that's your first hurdle. You're not going to see a horse. So why is that ever going to be on your mind? Secondly, do they have the spare time and the spare income um, because of the same reasons? Um, and then major- then if casting those people aside, when you get to, you know, lower middle class and upwards, because um, I think that's really... a, a something that affects working class people and i'm not saying that working class people don't deserve horses because obviously they do um and i you know in nigeria you know where i'm from there are working class people that have horses and there are working class people all around the world that have horses it's just Mm -hmm. something that happens in the uk because of working class people tend to be in areas that have less greenery really and that's really the biggest um um, hurdle anyway when you when you go up the socioeconomic ladder you tend to see people trying and getting pushed back quite quickly um not through any anything it's just first of all representation i think representation in anything is the most important thing people don't tend to understand what representation does and it for example oh my girlfriend is going to kill me for saying this but lewis hamilton i'm a huge lewis hamilton fan and i I promised i wouldn't say his name today but (laughs) <laughs> he's a very he's a very good he's a very good um example well i'll also say the williams sisters and um tiger woods yeah they are of a generation 
that through their incredible talent, incredible hard work and incredible drive, they made it to the top, not just near the top, they made it to the very top of white dominated sports. Yeah. And as a child, so I grew up in Wellingham City, which is literally the neighbouring town or city to Stevenage where Lewis Hamilton grew up. So when I grew up and I saw, you know, when he first burst into the scene, I think it was 07, 08, so I was seven, eight years old. I was like, whoa. Because I've always loved F1, but like it was always, you know, white rich people. white yeah. people. You know, it's yeah. a, it was it was a billionaire's playground back then. Yeah. Um, and I was like, whoa, this guy's come from Stephen. It's this guy's from where I'm from. He looks like me and he's made it from, to the very top and nothing stopped him because he's just so good and so talented and nothing stops him. He keeps going, keeps striving, you know, and that is what I want to do. Maybe I, I knew that at that point it was maybe a bit too late for me to be an F1 driver, but I, I kept that in my memory. I kept that in my head that if he could make it to the top of his field, nothing stops me. And I can promise you that I was not the only little black kid out there that saw that and that affected, you know, you can already see it in tennis, you know, because Williams sisters have been around for a good while now. So yeah. you already get into the next generation of tennis players. And you've got like, you know, Emma Raducanu, um, or who's the... The American tennis girl. Oh, I can't remember her name. I'm not very good at tennis players. No, that's fine. I, I don't know much tennis, but I just these are the people see on social media. You know, you you can already see in tennis. There's a marked increase of people of color in tennis. You know, I'm not. I don't know golf at all, so I'm not going to try and say anything about that. But you know, it's no. you can see that these guys do have an effect, and that really, really helps. Just having that representative that person that's holding your mask, that knows what you're going through, you know, when all these, you know, when people up high are blind to all the things that are going up and around in the world, you know, you have people like Lewis Hamilton that are winning races and going onto the podium and wearing a shirt saying, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. You know, to what, what people don't tend to realise is sometimes news that seems that everyone knows, not everybody knows it. Everyone in your immediate circle may know it, but not yeah. everybody knows it. So, you know, when it came to the Brianna Taylor case, and if you, if anyone listening doesn't know about it, have a good, you know, watch a good YouTube video, or watch and um, read a good article about it, because it's very, very upsetting what happened. Mm. A lot of people didn't know about it. So yeah. him going onto that podium, winning a race and wearing that shirt made a lot more people know about it. And just yeah. that shirt alone, you know, raised awareness and really really cemented why you know things like blm are happening and you know people of color are really shouting and screaming and when people are saying that why are you making it all about race we're not the ones that made it all about race it's all about race not by our design we'd love it if it wasn't all about race but it is in the world currently so yeah um so yeah that's another mechanism representation and then i think the last one is through out and out racism um again i want to mention sandra murphy because she has loads of loads of stories she's been in the equestrian world for the last 40 maybe 50 years um and she's had children also of color within the equestrian world and she had a very talented daughter who i think when she was 13 or 14 was eventing against adults or show jumping against adults i can't remember the discipline um and she gave up a question a question anything to do with the equestrian world completely because Anytime she got to a higher level, there was so much pushback on her. There was, you know, when she went to pony clubs, there was so, you know, th- clicks happen. Clicks happen yeah, in all yeah. sorts. But when it's 
everybody but this one person in a clique you have to start thinking is that a clique or is that just bullying yeah you know is that just pushing her out on purpose and that used to that kept happening to her daughter to her daughter said that's enough and you have we have to remember as adults we can be a lot more mentally strong than you know six seven year old children if they get one pushback that one lesson that one you know group horse riding lesson they're never going to go back again and you may never understand why but that kid is like I hated it there I love the horses but I hated it there and Mm. I think that's one that might be a small percentage but I think that small percentage has quite a big effect on the amount of people of color within the equestrian world you know yeah it's so sad and Again, I might be very naive to it. And obviously I'm Mm. a white person, so I probably, you know, I have privilege and stuff. But I I still, for me, don't understand in today's day and age why there is so much racism still. I still don't understand. I mean, I don't understand why there's racism altogether. I understand, like, in times, you know, there's been it was more acceptable then I'm not it's not acceptable it yeah. wasn't acceptable then and it's not acceptable now and I don't understand why there still is but you know there is unfortunately there is and you know I don't know when I, we can be in a world where it won't be I'm I hope one day we will but it, it's frustrating. I, I think I think the reason why it still happens to this day is it's just pure ignorance I think I think it's a pure ignorance and b there are still a lot of channels for racism that are still unknowingly um not channels like tv channels but like ways of racism that are still perpetrated you know unknowingly you know Mm -hmm. through little things like again i want to bring it back to representation but when you you look at government and certain legislations they bring in it may not be quote-unquote racism but what it is is extreme ignorance is because they have grown up and what the good thing about government or the current government is their extreme ignorance doesn't just affect people of color it does affect people that are lower income as well because the reason why they behave like this is they have grown up in such a bubble from yeah. the age of, you know, from day zero to the age now where they have not really felt any struggle in the mm-hmm. same way that they that everyone else does in their day-to-day lives. And they make very ignorant decisions. And I think, you know, stuff like that still is, a you know, a, a driving force for racism. But then also just so many... The one thing that I tell every single person is they need to stop thinking of black people or any race as a monolith, you know? And I think that's one of the biggest, and that's why I said ignorance is one of the biggest drivers for racism. It's treating people of a race as a monolith. Now, the reason why I say this is I'm a good example. I'm a black guy. I'm into horses. Not many black guys are into horses, but what you can't say is, no black people into horses because you've not met every single black person on this earth so how can you make that decision how can you make that decision that all black people you know can rap or all black people gifted athletes these are you know little just stereotypes stereotypes is what Mm. drives just random decisions you know like i don't know if you've seen it in the news lately it's been it's been a thing that's kind of known but not talked about a lot but there's a much higher rate of deaths within black women and people of color in, ch- in children in child, childbirth, in childbirth yeah. because the ignorance of doctors because yeah. they were taught in the 1800s that black people have a higher 
pain threshold and no one just thought to rectify that. That happened two, 200 years ago. No one oh. thought to rectify that weird way of thinking. And that's the little things that we're talking about. You know, when it comes to police, black, they believe black people are more, you know, um, aggressive. So they shoot first, ask questions later, you know, things like that. Um, and that's the biggest drive. I don't think many, many people anymore are outwardly like, I hate black people or I hate this race or I hate that race. There's there's enough people to be worried about it, but there's not enough people that the world should be in the way it is now. Yeah. But it's mostly ignorance and stereotypes and treating races like a monolith that are really the biggest reason that we're in the place that we are now. It's such that a... we're not getting better. Yeah, it's such a shame. And I find it very frustrating. I mean, I can't imagine what it feels for, you know, people of people of colour and people like you who want to be part of the equestrian industry. So what can we do um, as a, an industry to help people mm. of colour to, you know, get start, start riding, start enjoying it, start moving up the ranks? What can we do? Is there any small changes that we can do to help? Um, you know what, like we're moving in the right direction, you know, I'm going to shout out some more people, cool ridings, um, they're riding, um, a riding club within, oh, I can't remember exactly where they are, but they're within London, you know, reaching yeah. out to inner city um, children, you know, things like that. Also just speaking to people of colour. I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people make. And obviously I, I always, always oh, appreciate God. people trying, but sometimes the best person to speak to is someone of colour because mm -hmm. you sometimes don't realise that you're painting the wrong brushes or you're actually inserting the wrong stereotypes when you're trying to fix a problem. I think sometimes fix just uh, not leaving it to people of colour, but at least consulting people of colour. I think that's what um, uh, my friend Sandra Murphy does a lot. She talks to you know, she, cause she has a, um, an equine feed company. So she talks to, um, oh, what's the association called, you know, the association that does all the equine feeds and stuff like that. She talks to the, their head a lot because, you know, sometimes I'll bring out a newsletter and there'll be 150 pictures and not one person of color. And she says, no. hold up. This is a very easy way to, to change a yeah. problem, you know, yeah. to, or to fix a problem, just yeah. add some more people of color, you know, just, just talk to just talk to people of color just that's yeah. one of the best ways to sort this stuff out is just to yeah. talk to us and then also um i think teaching kids i know a lot of people are very against teaching kids racism but i think it needs to be well i don't know i don't really think it's on us i think there needs to be I don't know, someone way smarter than me needs to write a book on how to teach to talk to kids about racism because yeah. I think it's really, really, really unknowingly bad how different black kids get treated in primary school. And obviously that's a very formative part of your life. Yeah. And it can be it can be really bad the effect it can have on further adults. And the reason why I say teach kids is obviously you can take your kids to riding school, you can take them to pony club, but your kid's not going to be by themselves. There's going yeah. to be other kids there. And if your your kid's the only kid, you know, person of colour and all the other kids are bullying that person, your kid is not going to like horses anymore. And no. if we kind of nip it in the bud and we teach kids that, yes, they may be different skin colour to you, it just means nothing really. It really yeah. means nothing at all their hair yeah. slightly different, their skin slightly yeah. darker, 
that they're still made of you know bone and bones muscle and blood it literally means no difference Mm -hmm. so why don't you be friends with them and invite them you know invite them around and let's have a good because at the end of the day you're both there because you love horses so at the very least you both should be friends over that you might not be friends for other reasons but at least you need to be friendly um um, because I am hearing a lot of um that stopping kids going on further yeah um so yeah I think that's well I would like well which is one of the main reasons why you know it's not just the main reason but there's lots of reasons why I wanted to have you on and I wanted Mm. us to have this conversation and to have awareness of um having more people of color in the industry and having sort of more diversity like you say with men as well having more men to Mm. come into the industry um and um and sort of sort of having a conversation and highlighting the problems that are around and what we could do to help that um which i you know i appreciate you doing that and i i, I can sort of I, when you were talking then i was thinking of myself as a kid and when i was went to primary school and secondary school and the, the area that i was in was all white people i didn't mm. um didn't um, have any sort of interactions with people of colour until I was sort of in my late teens or anything. And that is not that it should be any different because like you say, a person's a person, doesn't matter what colour they are. But because I hadn't um, seen a person of colour until my late teens, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong, it's just the area that I was growing up in. It's just just the the lottery, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like now in my era, there's a lot, there's a lot more people of colour. So obviously the children now are having much more interactions and learning about the culture and learning about language and um, the best way to what language is, is the right language to use and which is not the right language to use, which mm. as a kid, I didn't have that at the time. I'm not, yeah. but then I'm, I wasn't, it didn't matter to me, but obviously it's nice now that children are being a bit more educated about what's the correct terms to use and you know not not that it should even be an issue you shouldn't even be having these types mm. of conversations but it's mad that we still do have to have these types of conversations yeah but yeah you know it's 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 just easier to have the conversation than for anything to happen i think you know i i i think it has the same level of you know it's just like teaching your child anything really teaching them how to read teaching them you know how to use the toilet teaching them about anything i think it's just you teach them how to, you know, um, be respectful. You say your please and thank yous, you know, just teach them not to be racist to a kid that's of a different colour. But yeah, um, sorry, that sounded very snarky, but um, (laughs) um, as you can see, I've had had it firsthand and, you know, speaking to my dad, my dad grew up, um, my my dad was born and grew up in the UK. He he grew up in Kent, you know, incredibly. I'm in Kent. Oh my God. Oh, hello. Yeah. I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you we've been we've been there a couple of times but I was like talking to him and about the experiences he had was incredible there was three black kids in this entire village and that was him his brother and his sister mm-hmm. um and they're you know they're growing growing up and it's insane that there hasn't been much progression and my dad grew up well was born in 1964 you know mm-hmm. so not much progression in 50 odd years 60 years um, um that tells us a lot really um yeah about it's some some i think action needs to be made you know um and hopefully you know we're we're having a new generation of everyone you know teachers police officers 
everything. And I feel this new generation of people are a lot more racially aware. So yeah. I don't think racism will be solved in this generation, but I think a good step will be made in this generation. Um, yeah, I think it's um, accepted. So. Not that it should be acceptance of um, people of colour, but acceptance as general, like people's sexuality, yeah. people mm. um, gender, um, and you know, um, and and hopefully racism will yeah. slowly in the next maybe sort of fifty to hundred years will be a thing of the yeah. past. And it'd be, yeah, and I think. Also, acceptance is correct, but I also think it needs to be more than acceptance and more, more than to- uh, not not tolerance, understanding. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, because at first it was tolerance, and tolerance may look good on the outside, it was actually quite rubbish on the inside. Because yeah. when you're tolerating someone, it's like tolerating an you know annoying nephew. You know, it's it, it, from your side and from everyone else, it looks all right. But, you know, between you two, you really know what's going on. And that's yeah. them wanting to play and you saying, telling them to go away. Yeah. Um, so tolerance is the first step. Acceptance is the sec- second step. And I think the third step is, you know, understanding um, yeah. and, um, and empathy. I think there's a, yeah. quite a lot of lack of empathy around the yeah. um, discussion of race. Yeah. And do you find people um are also a little bit maybe to the extreme worried about not um saying the wrong thing and not trying to be racist but feel like they don't want to say Mm. the wrong thing either and then sort of take a step back and feel like don't say anything because they don't want to come across racist if they're saying or wording how they shouldn't yeah so that's a very good point um now i'm very alone in this regard so i wouldn't like to speak on behalf of all black people and all people of color i'm i'm quite forgiving when it comes to missteps um when it comes to ignorance um and when it comes it depends on how it's said in the context and stuff like for example me and you speaking now if you'd said something that i didn't find correct i wouldn't like slate you over it. i'd just be like you know i prefer for you not to say this and and that way I'm 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 educating you. I'm very much and I would the, appreciate you telling me that. Exactly, exactly. I'm very much educate first. Sometimes I think that you can't just you, there's no way that you can ever believe in your heart that they're saying that out of ignorance. They're saying that out of hate. You know, there's certain things that everyone knows is wrong. Everyone knows is wrong to say to you. And that's over the mark. And yeah. I think when it's over the mark, I have a right to be angry and upset about it. Absolutely. And sometimes it's it's hard because as a black man, I'm not allowed to get angry. And as a black man, I'm not allowed to get upset. And a lot of the times I have to internalize it and scream into my pillow later yeah. because I've, I've, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that because yeah. Oh, that makes um, me really upset. Yeah. That really yeah, upsets me. You know, everyone knows that everyone, not everyone knows, but people believe um, black men are more aggressive. Um, and I feel like it's, I'm, I'm already a big guy already. You know, as I said, I play American football um, and I don't want to scare people. So no. <laughs> I'd like to I start, I like to say composed at all times yeah. um, just to avoid anything because the last thing then I you shouldn't want have is... to be like that, though, should you? Exactly, exactly. But I, I realise that sometimes I'm in areas in fact not sometimes nearly all my time I'm in white dominated areas you know I went to private school I'm in horses I need to be the because as I said earlier 
I don't want people to treat black people like a monolith, but sometimes I realize that people think black people are monoliths. So I need to be that good impact, that good story. Because I, you always hear about, oh, I met this black guy once and he did this and now I da 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 da. I want to be that positive story. I want to yeah. say, oh, I met this lovely guy. His name's Toad and he's, you know, from Nigeria and he's really, really lovely, respectful. And maybe I've been a bit of a bigot. Yeah. Um, um, and maybe that, you know, kill him with kindness. So that's what I try to say is kill him with kindness. Um, it's hard. It's a tough life. Of but course. sometimes you have to do it because you don't want to get yourself into bad situations. Um, and I think any situation that ever requires... Um, sorry, I, I'm skirting this, but basically, why I I, <laughs> I I try and make sure that I never scare anyone, like because yeah. police is what scares me. Truly, yeah. that's what scares me. The reason why I'm like this is I'm scared of police. I'm so scared of police. Even in the UK, I'm scared of police. Um, in the UK, it happens quite more often than people realize. Realize, but black people die in police custody, um, and that scares me. I don't want to be in a situation where someone's, you know you know, um, harassed me and I've got angry about it. Police is called and then I'm the one ending up dead. And my parents have, haven't, you know, lost their first child because of racism. So I tend to always be calm and collected and to stop anything escalating because I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be in the news. I want to live. Um, yeah. I want to, you know, so um, it's, yeah, that's that's the way I, I try and be. Um, and I try and educate at all times. I always try and educate. Um, I, I'm, you know, I do a lot of Black Lives Matters rallies when I'm speaking and I don't come from a place of you guys are wrong. I say, this is why we need to change. This is what's happening. Um, so I'm always just trying to educate, really. Yeah. Honestly, you've got me so upset. I've literally got tears <laughs> in my eyes because I'm just like... No, but I really appreciate you being so honest with us. And... Um, mm. And, you know, it, it is the reality of life. And, I, and I'm sorry that, you know, us white people are making you feel like that. Like, because mm, mm. I just, I would really would like to have a different conversation where we're not even having this conversation. But yeah. I appreciate, you know, unfortunately no, that I, is it is. And I appreciate you being so honest about it and, um, and educating us. And hopefully people will get something out of this and maybe make small changes where maybe eventually it will snowball to a big change yes exactly anyway shall we move on yeah yeah sorry i'm not gonna cry anymore i'm I think so sorry i'll be remiss if i didn't actually speak about my horses so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so let's just finish okay so let's start finishing yeah, finish the podcast on, on a, a positive yeah. so let's talk about the horses obviously you've talked about your horse harry and um, yes. you've talked about hannah's uh, mare that yes, you were uh, riding what other horses yeah. do you have and what are so, they sort of up to Okay, yeah, so I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you about my horses and their breeding. So we've got Fendi. Um, she is um, one of our mares who just had a foal about a month and a half ago, and he is bloody huge. Oh, my God. He's, like, <laughs> so big. Because he was, he was three weeks overdue anyway. And oh then, like, gosh. I feel like this did all that three weeks. Yeah, oh, yeah, poor mum, because he had a big <laughs> sigh, and she's, like, 15, no, yeah, 15, three or something. So she's not that big herself. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, very poor mum. But, yeah, so Fendi, she's um, an MSJ mare, um, and she's she's actually out the same mare as Lauren Tomlinson's Grand Prix Stallion and Capricorn Jr. So, yeah, she's quite well-bred. Um, in our, you know, in our company, we're very much of 
the ethos we look at damn lines we're like damn lines damn lines damn lines we don't because at the end of the day anyone can be by a good stallion um because you can get them literally over the internet um air freighted next day so anyone (laughs) could be about (laughs) out of a good stallion so we are just looking at damn lines so all of our mares are either you know either um damn um maternal siblings to grand prix horses or they are parents to grand prix horses so fendi a same mayor of lauren tomlinson's grand prix stallion um she just got a fall out of one of the young kwpm stallions livius um orla is another one of our horses um her maternal brother is um uh what's his name again glock's king kareem i don't know if you've heard of him um he's one of the glock um stallions so and he's he he is very very good he just won he won a um kwpn stallion show i think it's last year or the year before i'm not quite sure so quite recently so that's an exciting prospect because all those not because she's only three so she can either be a broodmare or uh one that we ride um we're currently backing her and we'll see how she moves and if she moves quite well i think that's going to be hannah's riding horse and we'll we embryo transfer her um so that'll be that'll be exciting to actually be a competition yard not just breeding and then Winx is Hannah's mare, who I got bolted on. Um, she's by Sandra here. And she she's older. She's 17, but she's got seven children now. We own one of them and then six from the previous owner. owner. And she's got two Grand Prix um, um, sons, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Two sons are Grand Prix and, and licensed. And then I think one's in, one's in America. Um, uh, oh, what's... Sorry, I'm fumbling. But one's in America <laughs> doing really good things. One's in, you know, Holland doing really good things. You know, all six yeah. of her children are all over the world doing really good things. So um, we're very, we're very, very excited about the mares we have. And we don't have many, but as I said, we're very, very focused on getting mares from good damn lines and we can, you know, grow our company from there. You know, we've only been together for about six, seven months. So um, hopefully in the next year or so, we could actually be doing some proper things and we're getting a stallion in within the next month or two so that'd be nice to offer um, so is your sort of long-term plan to be like breeding sort of grand prix type horses or yeah. are you going to be and are you actually going to be able to sell any of them so i fear that you're going to fall in love with them and you'll never sell them and then you just have yeah horses. <laughs> yeah see that's yeah um luckily so what we did with fendi um who's um the msj mayor we actually sold the foal in utero. Um, so he's actually already gone. So no matter what we do, he's not ours. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we just we just ripped the band-aid off early. We ripped it off early. So um we can't we've already fallen in love with him, but technically he's not ours. But luckily right. his owners um are looking to keep him hit with us for the long um for a very long time. Um because um his owners are very young, I think 13 years old. So oh, okay. there's still a lot of growing time to do. So we're gonna have him until he's um, fit and ready for her um and sky who's our last year's foal she had a little um she's gonna stay with us for a little bit i think we're gonna keep her for a little bit we're, we're saying to make to maximize her value but i think it's <laughs> i think we need more time it's more, yeah we need more time with her you know um yeah she, anyway she's only 10 months old so it's not really the best time to sell her we should, should have sold her at weaning or you know in a couple of years when she's back so yeah um so yeah that's that's our plan and hopefully we can grow from there you know we're just you know pair of 22 year olds trying to find a foothold in the world so yeah 
I um, think, well, it sounds like you're doing a brilliant job and you, it, you know, you are really doing your research and you're really, like you say, you're getting advice from other people and things like that. So it's not like you're just two people that just got a mare and a stallion and just thought, oh, that'll do. You're like really sort of thinking about <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're trying not to be like that. We're trying to be like, like a lot of people are like that and we respect it. You know, a lot of people like to breed just out of, you know, they have For a mare that's... Yeah, not even just for the, yeah for the sake of it, yeah, but like not like bad connotations. Just like you know, like breeding your dogs. You know, you have yeah. a dog, you might as well get more pups. You know, if you have the space yeah. and the money for it, why not? Um, but we are trying to hit a slightly higher echelon. Um, you know, either amateur, you know, high amateur riders or low professional riders. I think is are what we're aiming for. And you know, if we one in a million, we get like you know the next totalus. You know we'll be happy with that yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed because so much has yeah. gone wrong but hopefully we get that one right horse <laughs> and um, it's the connections isn't it it's just making loads exactly. of like you know uh, building relationships with people um i mean it'd be lovely to have like charlotte or cole hester to have one of your horses wouldn't it in the future <laughs> yeah it'd be really lovely hopefully if anyone's <laughs> listening <laughs> <laughs> because so, like, but yeah it's just relationships because like where we moved to the, um the yard we're at like we're so lucky so the field is about seven acre field but the entire circumference is lined with houses and like their gardens back onto our um field and like all of them are horsey nearly all of them are horsey and we've we're like we have we had drinks with a couple of them last week and one of them was the chef de keep for the chinese olympic team and went to a um olympics one's a professional dressage rider you know Brilliant. so hopefully hopefully we make we make enough connections that we can we can do something quite quite exciting with this company um but at yeah. the end of the day we do it for the love and <clears throat> money is one thing but like we're, we're not like trying to be like msj or like newton stud or like you know the the european outfits where they're breeding 150 foals a season and yeah. you know yeah. making money hand over fist we're not we're not quite looking at that. I think. And the thing is, as well, <coughs> you've actually started at a good time because the prices of horses at the minute oh. is extreme. Absolutely. Oh yeah, we know where we bought these horses. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to selling them, you're definitely getting your money back and more for sure. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, I think we're 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 lucky in the place that like most young businesses they fail because they're either a cash poor or b asset poor, and I think. We may be cash poor because we're 22 year olds, but we're quite <laughs> asset rich. Um, yeah. So if, you know, if if anything does happen, we do have, you know, the horses to fall back on. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not, you're not planning to fail, but you know, you got, no. you know, you have to, you have to have the planning place. So we're and just really seeing where it goes. Exactly. Yeah. Just being realistic. So we're just seeing where and, it goes and we're really, and really excited is, to be. Yeah. The in question world is actually quite a small community. Like, it's quite there's only quite six degrees of separation that someone yeah we've learned that yeah we really learned that um, it won't take you long to get up there i promise you (laughs) oh hopefully hopefully i mean we we started young so we don't mind how long it takes us as long as we get there yeah yeah Um, oh i can see it now and i would like to say it was because of my podcast that that's why i got you there <laughs> don't worry, you'll get a mention. You'll get a mention whenever we're winning. Are they even horse breeding awards or something? I don't yeah. know. But yeah. when we're taking an award, we're when giving it, a when, mention. You know, Charlotte's at Olympics and right, it has one of your horses, and you'd be like, it's because yeah. Carly put us in touch with someone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I never actually said the company name. 
yeah, HS6 it. equestrian. <laughs> HS6. So all our horses have the predicate of not is it predicate or you know the suffix of HS6. So if you ever see HS6, just know that's Toad and Hannah. Toad and Hannah. So exciting. So. <laughs> um, I know we've talked to loads, but I just wanted oh, to always so sort of, I always sort of offer this last bit of the podcast to okay. sort of have an open um space for you to talk about anything you want so anything obviously we've talked loads about your business we've talked about um you know diversity in the industry and things like that is there anything else you really want to talk about before we start finishing off yes i do but you're gonna hate well you're not gonna hate me because basically i i'm an engineer i studied engineering i've just finished one i'm finishing up my final year um um, so i'm a very busy man right now you've got my exams at this stage and yada 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 but one thing i'm very 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 passionate about is the environment um and um i urge every person i speak to to have a little research on the what the way the world's going because um if we're not careful i think this you know could be one of the last generations of humans and i that's a very scary fact to come to terms with you know i'm on the younger side of that so i i would love to have children and grandchildren you know and the world's heating at an uncontrollable rate um so i think just i'm not going to go too far but you know just i think most important things are reduce meat consumption reduce fossil fuel consumption and do your bit maybe get a solar panel wind turbine electric car something like those aren't fixes but you know we we need to we need to do something you know and yeah. if you know if if by any chance that anyone's listening is high on high high up in a company just make sure that your company is sustainable that they do their part yes it so may cost x amount of money you know could in- increase your costs by a couple percent but um i think you know a couple percent is good for the you know societies yeah yeah long term so yeah i think that's my one like i talk I, i'm passionate about a lot of things horses and cars and engineering and stuff but environment is very very high up on that list um just little things like reducing meat consumption can really go a long way you know i'm not telling everyone to be vegan and vegetarian because i'd be a hypocrite you know i'm i i te- i i flexitarian is what they say i eat as little meat as possible but you know i'm i'm also quite a big believer is doesn't you shouldn't waste food so i'm staying with my girlfriend's family quite a lot and i'm not going to make them make me another meal i would eat what they're eating basically so um but yeah just reduce eat the meat consumption reduce energy reduce the amount of water you use in your showers because we're very lucky we live on we live on an island so we have quite a lot of water but still it may not be enough if we are all quite you know wasteful with our water and everything really it's just like just take a little bit of time and think can i be doing this in a more environmentally conscious way really yeah yeah i totally agree with that i I like you i could talk about that for until the cows come home but that will be for another (laughs) podcast episode (laughs) the reason why it was literally my thesis so i'm very fresh i just i i I think i just um submit that last week so it's all very fresh in my mind so i can literally (laughs) go on for a thesis level environmental (laughs) i'm environmentally friendly practices so (laughs) brilliant no i love it Okay, and then I kind of finish off with some quick fire questions. So, okay. generally, um, are you a night in or a night out? Okay, I'm night night in. I used to be a <laughs> night out, but now I'm a night in. Yeah. Uh, are you with horses, tea- you get tired easily. I oh, know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tea or coffee? A coffee. Uh, wellies or trainers? Oh, Crocs. 
I'm wearing them right now. I wear Crocs 99.9% of my day since I was the age of 12. But before Crocs were cool, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. So I have, I have it on recording. I was wearing Crocs before they were cool. And now everyone wears Crocs. So thank you to me for starting that trend. <laughs> but um, if wellies or trainers, I'll go with wellies. Okay. Uh, sweet or savory? Oh, savory. Uh, book or film? Film. I'm too lazy to read. <laughs> and are, is that? Do you have like a favorite film, or is there a film that you've seen recently oh, that you would recommend? Oh, that is a very good question. Favorite film, favorite film, favorite film. Oh, I really want it to be a profound film to change someone's life. But I can't think of any. <laughs> um, well, I just love go with biopics. a classic. Go with um, a classic one that you always go to. Oh, I can't think of anything because we're re-watching The Office right now and that's all I can think of. It's just like oh. monkeys clapping in my brain and all I can think of is The Office. Um, <laughs> I love watch the, office. the Office. in like oh, I love know, the in film office. form. Watch a whole season in one sitting because that's what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. Every night cool. we watch a season. No, basically. I love that. And then lastly, um, let tell me where we can find you, where we can find Hannah on your socials. Obviously, I know we've talked about how I found you on TikTok, but... Are yeah. there yeah. other social medias or websites you want us to find you at? Okay, yeah. So uh, my TikTok is Toden Shweton, T-O-D-U-N-S-O-E-T-A-N. Um, my Instagram is the same, T-O-D-U-N-S-O-E-T-A-N. I forgot how to spell my name for a second. <laughs> um, we've got an Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, I believe, for our company, HS6 A Question. And then, um, yes, HS6 A Question for all of our social media. And then... We have Hannah's Instagram is Han H A N Sanderford S A N D I F O R D, um, and I believe that is it. We do have a website, but I'm I'm the one that makes it, um, and I need to redo it because there are a lot of inaccuracies on there like, <laughs> when it comes to horses and stuff. So, but yeah, when the website's back up, it's all in our bios and stuff, so you can follow it through there. But yes, lovely. Oh yes, and also oh. I'm gonna shout out Birth one more time if you are. Even if you're not a person of color, it's a wonderful group to be part of, and it's just um, it's just called B E R F um, and um, brackets UK on Facebook. Join that, um, and if you ever really want to make a difference, you know, in um, for people of color or your person of color, and you need more allies, or you have children of color or partners of color, join that group. And um, what you have to do is just when you join it, you have to just do a little bit of you have to put a post about yourself. And this is my, you know, this is me. This is what the event I do. You know, I'm a hiker or I'm a show jumper or whatever. Um, and I would like to help you guys out. And then basically, you can just see notifications for that group because then people are like looking for jobs there all the time. You know, I, I want to be a groom or I want to do this. And if you want to have affirmative action hires, you can do it through this group. So it's a very good thing to be part of. Um, so yes, birth, B-E-R-F. B-E-R-F. Yes. Sorry, I'm just looking at it now. B-E-R-F. UK. Yes. yes, that is it. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much. Honestly, I appreciate I've loved this conversation. I could talk to you for absolutely hours. Yeah. Uh, thank <laughs> you. Too, I, thank I you. loved this it. Amazing. Absolutely loved it. 
And as always, guys, if you love this episode, please tag us in. I'm sure you'll get loads out of it. Um, and I'll speak to you all on the next episode. If you listen to this episode, I really hope you enjoyed it as I did making it. If you um, like to follow me on socials, my um, Instagram is Cobbs Equine Services and the same on Facebook, Cobbs Equine Services. Um, if you are listening to this on your um, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, I really appreciate it if you could leave me a review as it gets um, other people to highlight the um, episodes to other people and I will speak to you all on the next episode.